Hey, Saraya, how's it going? Hey, Jeff, good to see you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, we're well into it. Um, I've been telling some of my colleagues that I work with that I've been talking to for the first time for the year, I've been saying Happy New Year, and they're like, you're past the 10-day grace period on that, Jeff. Stop saying Happy New Year. I'm like, I haven't seen you this year, so <laughs> anyway, so. All right, Jeff, let's just cut to the chase. Who is joining us today? This podcast will feature the first Marvel character that we've ever addressed. So I don't know if you saw the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, but it included um, the old 97s as an alien band. And um, one of the members of old 97s, Murray Hammond, their bass player is going to be joining us today. So you may see um, I've got some props back here. And the reason why um, we have an opportunity to talk to him today is now he's been working with the Long Riders. So yeah. Um, I've been wanting to have Murray on for a long time, so this is our end to be able to talk to him. So we've got some questions about the Long Riders. I want to bring up a little bit of uh, questions about the old 97s, and um, he's got some a solo release, and we want to know what he's doing in the future. He's also an author, Soraya. Um, you know, this he does. Is a, one of the hardest working men in show yes. business. He's got his hands in a lot of different pots. So he's given Steve. Know. Giving Steve Wynn a run for his money, I think. <laughs> Definitely. So why do you say, let's hop right into it? Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agroviar. Let's get groovy. 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 Hello, hello. Hello. Okay, let me, let me, I guess I am just needing to start that. Oh, hello. <laughs> We're there. We're there. Hey, hey, Jeff. Hey, Sarah. Hey, look at you guys. I didn't get the Paisley memo. Okay, hey, I'm ashamed of myself. I pulled out one of my better Paisleys and carefully cut off the Lucky Brand uh, <laughs> logo because it was not cool. <laughs> and uh, ju just for you guys and just for this. Wow. <laughs> the hardest working man in show business. Fashion design too, Jeff. Come on. I am the hardest working man in show business. I I bit off way more than I can chew. That's uh, that's my story. <laughs> well, we're going to, first of all, for all our listeners, we have the great Murray Hammond joining us today. And Hi. so let's just backtrack here. Uh, Jeff. Old 97s, solo work, Marvel Universe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, book author. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, I mean, and Jeff, he's got a pretty interesting series on YouTube called, depending on how you want to name it, Live at the Big Red Stove. From the Big Red Stove. I'm just calling it the Big Red Stove series. It's the Big Red Stove. Really I wish I could take this thing this is so carefully set up i would love to go show you the big red stove but find my youtube channel the big red stove yeah. is kind of ubiquitous because we didn't have this room right here during uh the lockdowns um i i had to build a project studio and it kind of ate the living room but mm -hmm. in the big red stove days it, it just looked like a, an audio 
store. It looked like a, a audio thrift store. So anyway, we set up in the kitchen and did these shows like every two weeks. And, uh, and it was amazing. We would try to do like a different theme each week. You know, one week might just be might just be originals or something like that. Another week was just the family band, uh, mm. with, you know, with friends and family, that kind of thing, whoever we were potted up with. And, uh, you know, one, one week was uh, on old 97 songs that never made the cut. And then another week was um, me trying to do basically things that sound like the Pink Floyd and, uh, you know, things like that. It was great. It was, it was an amazing year, but it was a lot to keep up with because we were just trying to do something new every two weeks. And it's, that's, that's quite a schedule to do new every two weeks, you know, but yeah, it was great. Yeah, it's a fantastic series for anyone that wants to go and please enjoy it because it's fun music, <laughs> great music, and I really enjoy it. I'm sure everybody else will. Okay, well, well, th we well thank you. I, yeah, I put up, I put up three whole of those sets on the YouTube channel. There's more than that, but I put up three that that were especially fun. And um, so, yeah, with all the original stuff that we've done, Annie and I did uh, my partner Annie plays the, the organs and the mellotrons and keyboards and stuff uh, it was like the 60s one that we did that was kind of our favorite it was like a lot of garage stuff you know it's it like watch band blues magoos you know mid-period kinks that kind of stuff and uh anyway that's on there but yeah go check it out it's 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 fun absolutely all right we just got to jump right in it and ask so obviously this is a podcast where we deal with the Paisley Underground. So, yeah. so talk to us about what the Paisley Underground means to you or why is it important to you? Well, it, um, I, I grew up out in the rural part of Texas and because it was, it was, it was rural and culturally conservative and that sort of thing. And I was not having fun. I was, you know, I was just different and the kids knew it, you know, no matter how much I wanted to be like everybody, you know, I was just too weird and different. And uh, yeah, it just emotionally and everything. I, when punk rock came along, I was just like this, I don't, I don't, I'm not entirely sure how to put this in the words, but I'm pretty sure this is the portal to leave my hometown. <laughs> so yeah. punk rock was, I'm just like, I'm stepping through that door, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, so that, that's how I grew up. And, and, um, well, that's how I grew up. That's how I spent high school. So I'm, I'm class in 1982. So punk really came along 78, 79 for me. And, uh, but then when the hardcore stuff came along, I got really into it. And because I got so into it, it was like religion for me. You know, I got so into it. I got rid of my Beatle records and great, you know, these great 60s records that I had and they were gone. I was like, I don't want anything to do with it. You know, it's nothing for me. It's nothing but the germs and minor threat and black flag. Da, da, da. And uh, so anyway, I 82 comes along and uh, and I got a copy of the Salvation Army. Uh, so so and. I, I, I didn't have very much money, but I, I managed to get a copy of the Salvation Army. And it, it was it just it really kind of like shifted something. I was like, OK, I need I need I need I need to 
go find more of this like right now. And so um, I was in Arlington, Texas, which is between Fort Worth and Dallas, Texas. Uh, the one good record store that I could get to was this place called VVV. And they had, um, and on my, my next trip there, I was like, okay, I'm spending what I've got. And so I remember I bought um, uh, the three o'clock uh, broke hoedown had just come out. And uh, the 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 Bangles uh, first EP had just come out, but I didn't pick it up on that trip. I but I got but I got the three o'clock, and I I got uh, the Lucifer Sam forty five by True West. You know where it has Lucifer Sam on the A side and the B side. It's just Lucifer Sam backwards. Yeah, right. I was like, okay, sign me up. And uh, and I I got uh, I got the Electric Prunes Underground. Uh, album, which was their second album, not not the one with uh, I had too much to dream last night, but it had the great banana hoax and had some cool stuff. Had a little country song I've always wanted to do on it. And uh, but anyway, I took it all back to my dorm room, and in between listening to Bad Religion and stuff like that, I just kept listening to this stuff and uh, and just got into it. And I and I had a a really good friend. I was putting out a fanzine in those days and. Uh, and I had a good friend that was helping out with the fanzine. And I remember we went to a punk rock party, hardcore punk rock pro party. And we brought uh, Bro Co down with us. And we're, we were just like, we're just like, we're just gonna sit here and play as real as real, like over and over. We're gonna bum out the party and play this. <laughs> but instead of bumming out the party, like a whole bunch of people was like, yeah. And, uh, and it was, uh, yeah, it was cool. That That's sort of how I got, I was like, okay, I, I can't, I, I can't just sit here and listen to DRA all day. I'm, I'm really into this, this scene and just, um, you know, it was, it was a lovely return to music that I hadn't even explored yet. I mean, I grew up listening to 60s stuff massively, you know, um, but it was really opening me up to the garage stuff really for the first time. Wow. And, uh, and so, yeah, you know, it just, it just kind of came in from there. I kept buying punk rock records, but then came the battle of the garages with the, you know, with the unclaimed, you know, who later I'd be sitting in a band with Sid Griffin, you know, and, um, and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how, how that happened. And, uh, and then in about a year and a half, I had my first band and we were, and by then I was just, you know, kind of deep into the scene and uh, yeah, it was cool. And then, and then my band got to, you know, there'd be a, like the Pandoras might come through town or something like that. And we would get to open up for them or something like that. But uh, yeah, so my first band was called Coyote Cowboys and it was, it was basically, you know, a bunch of Paisley underground punk rock friends that hung out in the skateboard scene and were friends with the butthole surfers and you know things like that and uh, and that's kind of how how that all went and um and yeah and, and i i never really shook it and uh you know later on the old 97s we um you know we we covered an opal song on an ep um years later so so it's just kind of been hovering around coming and going and uh, but, uh, you know, but but lately in the last few years, it's really kind of become important again, musically for me. Well, one of those things that we found really interesting and we're very curious is how do we circle then back 
to sitting next to Sid Griffin. And, you know, by the way, I saw you here at, um, playing with the Long Riders at Venice West um, back oh. in, what was that, November? November, yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you should have come up and said hi. Yeah. I, you I, know, there were a lot of folks and, you know, yeah, I, I just, but it was a great show and it was really fun seeing you out there and seeing the, the band play together. And we would like to know how did this opportunity to come around because we know there's an uh, upcoming Long Riders album that that um, you you do play on, and there are some tour dates in Europe coming up in the spring of this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did that opportunity come up? Well, uh, well, I mean, I the reason I'm here at all in the Long Riders orbit is because you know, sadly, they lost their dear Tom Stevens uh two years ago this month i think it was and uh and that's an event that i can't even hardly get my mind around there the long riders in the old 97s there's some real parallels there like like um the 97s guys i i don't think Rhett so much but the other three i mean we had the long riders records uh our guitar player claims to be a bigger fan of long riders than me you know <laughs> i don't think he's i don't think he's right about that but uh, but he was big he was a big fan and uh um and uh like like the old 97s the long riders were the same four people for for 40 years you know or, or just almost there they they're celebrating their 40th year uh this year and um and tom passed away i think when he'd been in the band something like 38 years if i have that right yeah. mm -hmm. um uh so yeah he wasn't their first bass player um but he was the one that that i knew uh through all those records and uh yeah so he passed away and it absolutely was heartbreaking for them and and uh and yeah, like I said, I can't get my mind around losing a band member. All 97s, we have not lost one yet. It's been the same four guys for 30 years for us. And that day will come one day. And maybe I'll be the one that goes, or maybe it'll be one of the others, you know, but it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. So so yeah, they were trying to figure out what the hell to do. You know, COVID came right at that time, you know, just, just a couple months later, everybody's staying home. Um, and, uh, so anyway, uh, so Greg Souders, the drummer, Greg, um, he kind of reached out to, uh, some friends that might know, like who might fill these shoes, who might make sense in, in the, in the long riders. So he reached out to, uh, uh, my friend and uh, old 97's brother, um, Tom DeSavia, uh, who was our A&R guy when the old 97's were on Electra uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, Tom co-authored uh, two books of essentially essays uh, um, with John Doe on the mm -hmm. early LA punk scene and that kind of thing. So uh, in fact, Sid actually wrote a, chapter for that and, and some other you know and at Zelinska she did a chapter and that kind of thing um so he asked him and he recommended me and Greg thought well Greg was firmly familiar with the 97s and uh and said he said yeah that sounds really interesting that sounds like a 
an interesting fit, you know? So, so yeah, so we just kind of, Tom made an introduction on Facebook actually. And I'm just, we're just sort of chit-chatting back and forth. And, and that was, that was almost a year before we even, I even kind of hung out in the same room with Greg. So anyway, there was a night we all went and ate, got to meet Greg and, and realized that Greg and I are, almost equally as chatty as each other and uh and then we got along great you know and that he's you know greg's greg's like one of the coolest guys you'll meet he's you know he's 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 one of us you know and uh so yeah so it, that's how that's how i met him and we're like yeah i he asked me i said would you ever consider something like that and i said you know what that's really intriguing and and honestly it sounds like a great adventure and I, I thought, what an interesting thing to do. Even if it doesn't work out, what a great adventure to try. So, so that's how I, that's how I said. I said, you know what? It sounds like a great adventure, and uh, yeah, let's let, let's let's give it a try. So, um, so we did. And uh, this November, we did our first shows together. Um, it was a the Outlaw country mm -hmm. cruise serious fm outlaw country cruise so so that was my first second and third ever gigs with the long riders and wow. so soraya when you came to venice west that was my fourth gig with them so happily some some wrinkles had been ironed out they're not all ironed out yet you know tom was a great bass player that's yes, the trouble filling in his shoes he was a great bass player and and he can play all kinds of things. I he he can play upright bass. I can't really play upright bass. I'm not good at it. Um, Tom's a great guitar player. You know, um, I play acoustic guitar. You know, my folk stylings. You know, yeah. but but Tom Tom Tom's Tom was amazing. And so so yeah. So I'm just hanging on by the skin of my teeth here. But but I think but I think I'm doing okay. I, I think bringing the old 97s you know sort of sensibility to it it it, it fits in well but I, but i'm really doing my best to try to try to just be tom flavored like what would tom do mm -hmm. you know and things and I, I i try to do that so yeah yeah it's been great it's been really fun it's really weird being a new kid <laughs> around a bunch of older guys you're just like a little brother kind of thing and I'm 58 years old. It's a little old to be a little brother to anybody. <laughs> but these guys have just done so much stuff and so much cool stuff. I mean, they're they're friends with the birds. I mean, you know, they're just they're just cool guys, you know. Sid was in a garage band that I loved and you know, just they're just they're just cool, but they're but they're completely lovely guys and they were just so welcoming to me coming in. And and they, you know, they knew I was like, yeah. It's weird for us, but it's weird for him too. <laughs> so, so they've been great. I will say, Murray, that um, Soraya and I were huge fans of Tom's, not only as a musician, a songwriter, but as a person. We had opportunities to speak with him on a couple of occasions. He was just a great guy, and it was a huge, huge loss. And when that happened, um, his passing, um, I was wondering what would happen to the band and if there could be anybody that could possibly replace him, um, not only as a musician, but have that kind of vibe and bring bring to the long riders what they needed. And when I first found out that that you uh, were being asked to step in for uh, in his shoes, my first thought was 
perfect. Like this, that yeah, makes please. absolute sense. <laughs> uh, not only because of um, your musicianship, um, but also like you as, as a person and your your personality. And it seems like a great fit. And I'm really glad that the band decided to to invite you. And uh, so now as a follow-up to um, Psychedelic Country Soul, September, November is coming out this month in spring. And we understand that you participated a little bit in the recording. I think Tom had done some record, some of the bass recordings. Can you fill us in on exactly your role on the new album? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, Stephen also plays a lot of bass, and and Stephen played some bass, and you know, over the years in a long rider, just whatever kind of need, needed to happen in the studio, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, so they asked me to learn um, something like four songs. Uh, and come down to the studio, uh, actually not far from you, Jeff, I think, um, down in Poway, California, at oh, Stasium's uh, studio. Um, like 20 minutes away. Yeah, yeah, not very far. Yeah, It's pretty down there. I, I didn't know it existed. It's like this magic little mountain community that just appears out of nowhere, <laughs> rises up out of this earth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so I went down there, uh, did the four. We ad actually added a fifth one, like like this really, uh, um, Elmer Gantry is the name of the song. Actually, that might be the shortened name. Um, it, it might be Elmer Gantry is Alive and Well, which is a really cool driving kind of velvet underground kind of thing, like a little bit of a different sound than, than we've heard from the long riders. And, uh, but not really that different when you hear it. You know how with like a band that you're really into, they 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 do something a little new, and you go, "Oh, that's new." But then you but then you realize like, no, it's not really new. Of course, it came out of them, you know. And it just joins the canon, you know. It, it is great. It's fantastic. And uh, and the record as a fan, it's beautiful. It, and I think it does some new territory a bit for them. You know, there's a there's a couple of quieter moments uh one that Sid does and then one that Stephen does um that are just gorgeous and uh yeah it's I can't I've, I've told them this several times that I can't believe you guys are still doing great records I, I said that's hard to do I feel like the old 97 still do that and and not very many bands do that but the long riders are still doing that and it, it's really it's really interesting to see that because come on I mean most people they get that well gets a little dry even when you're not in your 50s and 60s and and they just and their voices are great they you know, they, they sound like they're in their 20s and they sound great you, you guys are going to really like the the new record we're looking forward to it yeah so uh yeah and it was amazing recording with ed stasium who i he had done a couple other uh long riders records he did uh psychedelic country soul two-fisted tales i think it was it might have been it might have been um and i love the production on that one yeah. Uh, but yeah, Ed, Ed, who famously did the uh, first uh, few Ramones records. Yes. I mean, he, you know, when you hear the Beach Boys harmonies on Rockaway Beach, that's Ed's voice doing all those harmonies. 
And when you hear the 12 string, the ringing 12 string on Road to Ruin, unquestioningly, and uh, you don't come close, that kind of thing. That's Ed's 12 string. Wow. Uh, and playing the 12 string. And, uh, and yeah, massive cool stuff that Ed has done. And, uh, and he's a great producer for the band. He's a huge uh, long riders, uh, almost called them old, old riders, <laughs> old 97s plus long riders. I, I, I'm going to be making that mistake constantly. Um, he's a huge long riders fan and, uh, and the love that he has for the band, you know, is clearly evident on, on the recordings I heard. So yeah, y'all, y'all are going to love it. Everybody out there, you're going to love it. Very, very, very exciting. And that's uh, right. I mentioned there's going to be a European tour in May that you're going to be a part of. So yes, 10 yeah. shows, something, something along that line. You know, we're going, yeah, we're going to England, some Netherlands dates and uh and they're going to try to do another european trip late in the year and uh i may be on that one i may not get to be on that one um the old 97s are also going to europe in october however old 97s are not very big in europe and the money is quite terrible oh. so the, the old 97s tour may just completely tank or may not be but if it tanks i'm just gonna get in the uh long riders van <laughs> and, and go with them and uh and then and then yeah I, I think the idea also is to do some stateside uh touring with the long riders uh over the summer and uh so they're they're figuring all that out and uh, you know the the old 97s and the long riders just kind of dancing around each other figuring out how to share me and if they can't share me you know so, somebody else will step in but they won't have their shirt, but they'll they'll be, they'll be great. Yeah. And that would be a big loss. That would be yeah, that'd be that'd be a loss. Yeah. <laughs> so Mark, I wanted to do a take a little sidetrack here. Um, we did mention that you are you're an, also an author, so you have the book Images of Rail East Te Texas Logging Railroad. I have, I have to read it while I'm saying it. Um, I didn't realize that this book existed until like two weeks ago. I ordered mine. I think it's it. It'll I I sent yours personally a couple of days ago. I was late okay. sending it. I, I didn't know you had ordered one. I was like, oh, crap, there's something on eBay. I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, you know, since I was a kid, I've had a hobby. When I was a kid, I was like one of those model train kids. Uh, I was, my, my mom was born in 1925. My dad was born in 1931. So I was raised by 50s parents. And so, of course, I had a model train hobby as a kid you know but but yeah i was i don't really like and i've really enjoyed the history of that kind of thing uh but it became you know it became kind of a serious hobby what 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 became the hobby was um early in the old 97s um i started doing oral history i got very much into doing oral history of um I, there, there was a woman back in the 20s, 1920s in Texas, who was a painter. She was a, a, a Parisian trained uh, portraitist, a very talented one. And her father helped build most of the Missouri Pacific Railroad in Texas. Um, in the father's retirement, he bought a tiny little Petticoat Junction type railroad in central Texas, not very far from Austin. And uh, 
he passed away willing the uh, she inherited the railroad from her dad so this parisian trained portraitist who uh like she did a number of portraits of te texas governors that uh hang to this day in the rotunda in austin texas and wow. uh but she had this railroad and she was very eccentric and were all the latest Parisian fashions in this tiny little country, Texas town. And so she was a, she was a character. So the depression came along, killed the railroad, and then she passed away about 15 years later, that sort of thing. But anyway, I got interested in her story and I started doing oral history and researching it and that kind of thing. So, you know, history has kind of always been a hobby for me, but I had so much fun doing oral history on the, the railroad stuff. I just kept doing it. I was like, okay, what else can I, can I do here? And um, so I would sort of identify interesting people to talk to. And when the 97s weren't traveling, I would take the band van and I would, I mean, I would line up several days in a row and, and if I if I uh, spaced out the people in in such a way, I could do three or four interviews a day. And uh, but I would but I would sleep in the van. So I would I would take the van to Walmart parking lots. I would go in to Walmart if they were if they sold beer, I'd, I'd buy some beer. And I always had my guitar with me and I would work on music. I would work on old 97 songs. And I, and I did a lot of music, um, old 97 tunes got written that way. And, uh, and then I would sleep in the parking lot and then wake up and start traveling around and going to people's homes and doing interviews and that kind of thing. So anyway, I ended up with an enormous amount of images and negatives and prints and, and then, you know, eBay came along in the late 90s for me, and I'd been buying and preserving stuff uh, for years. And I ended up, and I, I've ended up with thousands, and I mean that high thousands, and it may be 10,000, like every, every format you can imagine from glass plate negatives to uh, carte de visite cards you know the earliest uh, the earliest images i have are steamboats on the rio grande in the 1870s early 1870s um just everything cabinet cards four by fives just every every size you can imagine and uh and i took the trouble to really learn how li librarians do it, how archivists do it, like how do they preserve this stuff? What do they buy? Oh, they buy this polyester envelope for prints and this thing for negatives. And, and I started digitizing everything. So I went through the trouble of scanning everything I have. And I have everything scanned except for the few hundred that I've bought in the last two or three years. Um, so, but anyway, so the book I, I did it's for those of you out there it's one of those books that you always see in the local history section oftentimes it's up by the register at the bookstore it's like images of America you know and it'll be some particular little community and all you know what used to be the the local genealogy history book kind of became this series because there's so many of them now and they're, they're well done they're really well done they're all the same size have about the same number of photos and they just sort of 
tell a narrative through photo captions, basically. So I did one on um, East Texas, uh, the East Texas sawmill industry, uh, because in Texas, there was just hundreds and hundreds of towns that were built by sawmills. And this is where it gets very Loretta Lynn. Um, The mills, they would not pay the workers in, in like cash money, they only paid them in company tokens or company script or paper script. Uh, that way, the people that worked for the sawmill, they had to live on the property and they had the shop at one store, the company store. So when you hear the word company store, um, I owe my soul to the company store, you know, yeah. you you had a you had a ledger with a little debt that would be paid off when you would get your tokens and you would go pay it and you were just sort of stuck in this system and and it's known as the feudal system that goes back hundreds of years to england and scotland and europe and uh but that was alive and well in the late 1800s and the uh you know first half of the 20th century and uh so anyway i i put together a little pictorial mainly drawn from my own collection of photographs uh but but hit a lot of i i hit the road and um again wrote a lot of music but went to a lot of archives and said you know here's what i'm doing i'd like to sort of do like a really good overview of of the railroads that you know built these towns and and that kind of thing so so that's it it's really nerdy stuff <laughs> really trained nerd stuff, but but it's but it's good history, and I and I'm proud of that little book I did. Yeah. I've always wanted to do one on Louisiana because I got a crap ton on Louisiana too. But but uh, but I got the one on Texas out. It's probably the only one I'll ever do until I get too slow to travel with music anymore. I can sit at home on a computer and do some more. So anyway, uh, these days I'm actually trying to find a home for my various collections and uh and sort of that's the project this year to place them with um they're probably gonna have to be spread over four or five special collections um various places around texas and that kind of thing i made in those years i made some friends at like the texas state library and and uh and different special collections around so yeah so i'm just gonna um it's it's time that they fly away and live in a proper uh library instead of my house and uh yeah so that's what's happened that's fascinating yeah mm-hmm. obviously your love for trains throughout pretty much all your projects i mean even the name of the band old 97 but we did want to get into your solo work um to date there's only one solo album um in 2008 you released this soraya found an interesting quote i believe um yeah talking about your doing solo work so this is from an interview you did in 2008 with the DCist. And this is a quote. I wasn't going to stick my head up before I really felt like I had a voice. It took me a while to find a voice I really wanted. And we were mm-hmm. super curious. So we have this album, 2008, you were talking about this album. Mm-hmm. And then what's coming up? Well, uh yeah, yeah. The the, the voice, I, I guess the voice that I was talking about, like what really like like what really brought in all these these influences of mine that I've been so passionate about, you know. Um I I've I've known since I first started writing music, there 
probably has not been a single song I've ever written that the ghost of Sid Barrett wasn't standing around somewhere, um, you know, you know, sort of reminding me to be fearless in in my emotions when writing, uh, remind, writing the words, especially like like forget about it being experimental, that kind of thing, but just but just being really fearless in in you know how how I put a human heart into words. And so with that record, uh, I felt I, I, I was sort of starting to really figure this out. And, and I, and I, you know, the 97s really kind of helped me there and, and, you know, songwriting years ago kind of helped me, but, but it was, it was that record that really kind of sort of, I, I found the door, you know, that, that songwriters find for themselves. And, uh, so, yeah, so during COVID, um, you can kind of see it behind me. My living room has been completely swallowed by a small project studio. And I just started, uh, I had been working on a follow-up record to that, that solo record. And um, uh, the record is called, I don't know where I'm going, but I, I'm on my way. Yes. So I want to do a follow-up. I was recording with, uh, oh, there it is. And, um, and I was recording with uh, the producer of that record, Mark Neal. Uh, and Mark has done, like he uh, uh, did the Brothers uh, record for Black Keys. He's done like, things like J.D. McPherson, uh, the cool Charlie Crockett stuff that has come out recently. Uh, he did a lot of that older high tone record stuff, uh, Big Sandy and Deke and all that. Um, so anyway, but he, uh, he had done the old 97's Drag It Up. Uh, and that sort of started me doing this, uh, this I don't know, where I'm going, but I'm on my way record. So anyway, time to do another record, try to do it with him. Uh, COVID came along. We literally flew back from his studio in Georgia on March 17th. And as soon as we flew back, we didn't see each other again. We didn't see uh, my, my drummer for, for my solo stuff. Didn't see him again for several months. And I didn't see the old 97s again for, uh, for over a year wow. and uh which is crazy because we had a record come out during that time and uh so yeah so in order to advance all of it i had to figure out how to do it here and i actually as much as i already kind of knew about how to record anything i really had to learn a lot and uh and i did and um i but I kept recording and I kept just, I got really inspired and uh, really loving the sounds I was getting. And they, and all the songs kind of started organizing themselves into kind of clear piles based on a sort of a certain kind of vision. So, so one of the piles, the first one I want to do uh, is going to be called uh, trail songs of the deep. Yeah. And it is definitely a bridge out of that first solo record and a bridge going into the next one um, that I've already done. In fact, uh, this next week we're mastering. Uh, uh, this is ridiculous, but I, I ended up doing three records and they're all three getting mastered next week. And uh, I just have to sit on a couple of them for a while and um and I'll, I'll share them. I'll, if, if you won't, if you won't play them for anybody, I'll, I'll, I'll share them with certain people. Uh, Jeff, I shared them with you and hopefully you shared 
sharing with Soraya. And, yes, um, they're fantastic. Uh, oh, thank you. And and uh, so yeah, share them with anybody you feel like or trust or whatever. Go ahead. It's it's fun. I I love I love that kind of stuff. I love I love the underground. You know, yeah. passing notes and the whispering to each other. That's that's <laughs> that's the that's the one of the joys of life right there but agree, uh, so yeah so that so that's that's uh that's that's what is coming up i don't have a label yet and trying to figure that out it's again i'm a new kid to that world of of putting my my own music out you know so yeah we'll see something's going to happen in 2023 i don't know what yet but i know which record it is so right, right. that's what i that's what i got at least i'm at least I'm that far. Three of them are getting re, are getting mastered, very, you know, very very soon. So, yes. so we've seen that you have uh, a notable presence online. So Facebook, Bandcamp, where anywhere else that we can point our listeners to 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 find you online. Facebook, Bandcamp. I have my well. I have the MurrayHammond.com. Um, and uh, yeah, see? that's that's kind of that's kind of the big the big operators. <laughs> and YouTube, as I mentioned at the beginning, the big yeah. red stove. Yeah, I like if if I can think of something cool to throw up on YouTube, I'll I'll do it. A lot of the, the, there were some good moments during the the lockdowns with with the big red stove. I've just been kind of putting them all up on there so it can, yeah it keeps me quite busy i'm the one that does the old 97s the old 97s have a patreon so i'm the one that puts all the stuff up on there and uh so it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot okay and before we even continue yeah i want to make sure i was right do you also have a cameo do what a cameo. A cameo. Oh, I oh I'm on cameo. Yes, I do cameos. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's great fun to do. People have birthdays and that kind of thing. I always play them a song. I usually try to play them an unreleased old 97 song unless they're unless they want something that I've done before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's just a lot of pot, there's just songs laying everywhere. You know, they're just stacking up, you know. But so, yeah, so I'll be like, hey, here's another 97 song. Rhett's heard it. We'll see if it gets on a record, you know. Which is, Jeff, which is do, you have, do you have songs lying around? No. I just like that <laughs> Murray says, you know, like with the, the upcoming three solo albums, they just kind of naturally piled together. You know, uh, they, they created natural piles. And I have songs, you know, unreleased songs to... Well, you know, I yeah. want to go to this home studio and see all these unreleased songs, these things that are just kind of hanging out, Ugh, creating I'm, music, creating I'll, space here. I'm happy to send you links to everything. Yeah, they. Well, it's just like the 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 faucet also goes dry too, so it it'll go chip chip chip. It's done. It's gone, and then it'll start again. So you know, it's just you know, writing. I, I've been really lucky. This this is all I do. This is all I've done since the '90s. So I get to you know, I'm I'm a dad. I my boy's turning 16 here in a few days. Wow. Um, yeah, but uh, except for parent stuff, this is what I get to do. So you know, I I I I've been very very lucky. And I, I get to put in the kind of time that it takes to kind of write write all this stuff. You think 
uh, Rhett, uh, our, the singer for the old night sevens, Rhett Miller, he's, he's way worse than I am. He, he'll just, he'll walk in every, every, every old 97 record. I'm quite sure he has about 35 songs he walks in with. Wow. And uh, yeah. And we, you know, throw my stuff in and then we figure out something out of it. And then he goes, he has to go off and do solo stuff just to kind of like keep from getting constipated, songstipated. He, he keeps from getting constipated. So, yeah, he, he, he got songstipated there for a while and that's how he started the solo world and all that. But yeah, but he, he's one of those people too that's just like, it just never turns off, never turns off. Turns off for me. I don't know how he does it, but you know, I I just get it going again when I when I have to. You know, so very well. Cool. We're gonna we're gonna enjoy the non constipated moment. <laughs> we're gonna enjoy, and I mean, three albums worth. That was a lot. You had a lot to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm we're really, gonna take it. Yeah, I'm really pleased with all of them too. Yeah. Because they are, yeah. Jeff's heard them, and um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really, really happy. I was, I sometimes I listen to stuff I've done and go, ah, you know, I, I don't need to listen to that too often. <laughs> but these, but these, I'm just like, yeah. I, there's nothing for me not to, to like, uh, which is nice. You know, that's, that's the beauty of recording at home. You, you really do always get what you want, because you have a finger and you have a stop button and a re-record button and you can sit there and just go back and forth until you're sick of yourself but until you get get what you want you know and uh so that's been nice hey jeff can you show that big beauty that record store day beauty that you have yes yeah, so the most recent uh old 97s record besides 12th year Thank last full length album there was this record store day release oh uh, yeah one more ride where you guys do the Johnny Cash covers, including a three-song train med medley. So there's the train. Yeah. But yeah. I think what Soraya was referring to is the actual vinyl itself, which is... Yes. Oh. Well, both. Yeah, both. <laughs> both. Yes. So, so the most recent release is this EP, four-song EP, one of the songs being medley. So, um, yep. And then 12, of course, 12 albums. And as you mentioned, the same four musicians together after... Four decades is absolutely amazing. But Murray, you are our first Marvel character. Yeah. <laughs> to be on her Let me see if I can say this name. Murray yeah, can correct oh, me. What's his character's name? Cortol Bucalia. Thank you. That's, I was never, that close? I, I have no idea how to say that. Cortol Bucalia? Yeah, that Cortol Bucalia. Oh, yeah, I feel like I should be saying a corton bucalia. I I really I'm I'm really glad this is going to be recorded so I can refer back to your pronunciation. <laughs> you know, so I can say, well, of course I know how to say my own name. Uh, that's pretty <laughs> awesome, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, for the listeners who don't know, old ninety sevens, we got to be in a Marvel Christmas special for the Guardians of the Galaxy. Is franchise is a franchise yeah. Uh, oh yeah yeah guardians of the galaxy christmas special that uh um james gunn put together uh, to be a bridge between volume two of that series and volume three that's coming out this next year 
And uh, and it was amazing. It, it turns out James Gunn and his brother Sean Gunn, um, who was in Gilmore Girls, at, which I didn't really hit me until this thing came. I was like, oh yeah, he's he's Gilmore Girls. Um, but they used to come see us in Chicago back in the nineties, like uh, all the time. Like they were, there was like a little crowd that ran around together. Like Jenna Fisher was one of them, and uh, and, and the the Gun Brothers and all that. And and uh, they they went to see ninety seven sevens all the time. And I don't I don't remember them. I and I, I don't know that we ever met them in those days. But they were they were one of our early early trips to Chicago. We would play uh, the Empty Bottle and Shubas and all these old cool Chicago clubs, Beat Kitchen and uh, Lounge Acts. That was the big one. Um, and uh, yeah, and they were always in those crowds. And so, yeah. And so James and Rhett have been chit chatty and friendly for a few years. And uh, he wanted to, he wanted to kind of do something with us but he never really knew what that could be but when he was thinking of the christmas special he thought oh i'll make them an alien band <laughs> they'll kind of rock it up um he and rhett came up with this wonderful uh novelty song basically mm -hmm. i don't know what christmas is but christmas time is here in which the lyrics are essentially misreported information about Christmas through a kind of a game of telephone. Um, the singer Beezer Mikatakalak, is that our singer name? Beezer Mikatakalak heard it from Rocket, who heard it from so-and-so, who heard from Cosmo, who heard it from Drax, who heard it from somebody else, and da da da, and of course the information is horrifying and all wrong, and uh, and and that became the lyrics of the song, and it is beautiful. I, I grew up listening to Doctor Demento. I want Doctor Demento to play this thing on the show so bad, yeah, yeah, like pick up, check off another milestone, and uh, but yeah, so that that was our involvement in that. So we we opened the special. There's a little interaction between our singer and uh, um, Star Lord, uh, right. Chris Pratt, and then we finish out the the special. Actually, backing up uh, Kevin Bacon uh, doing a song that we had put out. L ninety sevens put out a Christmas record about three years ago. That's a lot uh, of fun. Is oh, thank you. Thank. Yeah. You. I was really pleased and relieved about that record yeah it's because i don't tend to like christmas records by bands like us they <laughs> they are they are rarely any good and uh and i thought that rick wrote an amazing record i was like holy crap this is a cool record and uh yeah it's it's, it's a cool record if i do say so myself but um so yeah so we did one of those songs with kevin bacon at the end of that special so yeah i'm in i'm in the marvel fan wikipedia now yeah. yes you are <laughs> and you guys even did a television performance with kevin bacon mm -hmm. yeah yeah we did uh we did uh jimmy fallon uh with him early december something like that yeah you know to totally fun. You've all been promoted one degree, Jeff. Right? You're now one degree promoted to, Ke <laughs> to Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> so, so old 97s, my favorite record by you guys um, is Satellite Ride. Oh, I got, oh. My, I got my belly up concert ticket there. When I'm mm. 
Oh, nice. With this dapper young fellow right here. Yes, so with the fake hair. Those were extensions. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, they wanted they wanted to mop us up. They they thought we had a certain kind of Brit pop uh, uh, appeal visually, but they just needed it to be a little bit more. So they asked me if I want. They could just like go. I say, yeah. Give me, Your give hair, me the mop. Your hair is gorgeous. <laughs> so it's not on vinyl. Is there any chance that this could end up uh, as a vinyl release? I think it's only. Oh, yeah. only. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no specifics right now, but uh, we want to do the same kind of uh, deluxe reissue with the outtakes and that sort of thing. Uh, I think our others have been on Omnivore. Yes. And uh, I know Cheryl from Omnivore would really like to do it, uh, do it again. She wants to. She wanted to do um, like fight songs. Wait a minute, did Omnivore do fight songs? I can't remember now. Um, I thought they did. They did, right? Yes. That was Omnivore. Yeah. Um, so, but but Cheryl really wants to do do. Uh, do that for satellite and uh so we'll see if it happens i i somebody's gonna do it there'll, there'll be something we we have wonderful outtakes and wonderful demo stuff that um that we did for that and uh, there there was a lot of cool stuff that got got saved nice so uh you know just yeah there's like there was a whole uh, there was like a cheap trick cover of southern girls which turned out great um oh there's a bunch of stuff yeah yeah so in, in answer to your question yeah yeah one of these days and it should happen soon very nice we noticed that there's a guitar right behind you yes so it looks very lonely it's, it's a sad well they say it a guitar is not truly happy until it's playing a song for for the for the podcast uh <laughs> okay, I I I admitted uh, to Jeff that um, I for fun I've been sitting around playing uh, uh, a long riders tune actually uh, uh, one that Tom and Stephen wrote and, and it was on Native Sons called Wreck of the Eight Hundred Nine. Yes, and uh, so I'll do it. Um, that's why Wait. I got this little microphone out. This, this this actually makes I love this microphone. It's made out of like plumbing parts. And uh, it's just just lovely. It's uh, gorgeous. Ear Trumpet Labs. It, for those of you who want to find a mic like this, Ear Trumpet Labs are great. Uh, so yeah, so let me take a stab at this. And uh, I'm going to turn my amplifier on over here and uh, give some reverb here. Hello, hello. Oh, wow. So Ryan, we get a concert. Because the old 97s and Murray love reverb. <laughs> okay. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll play here. I hope. I hope it goes well. I'm going to do this solo, likely, and uh, it'll sound something like this. Screaming right. 
sirens keep a coming and I heard somebody say A hundred forty people were riding that train today Rick of the 809 Rick of the 809 Rick of the 809 Rick of the 97s into doing it or something i don't know i think it'd be cool that is a great song yeah that great that entire album is great and um you mentioned the band being the friends of the birds and gene clark was on that record and we just lost david crosby um, yeah rest in power but um, yeah. great album and great song and that was really a treat for us thank you mary for yeah. playing that. well well you're welcome I, and this is a uh, it's nice to meet you both and uh yeah thank you thank you for all of it but we can talk more or talk less <laughs> i just had um, one last thing that i wanted to bring up if you don't mind um for me personally that's really exciting in the credits um for the solo album you mentioned hooray for jesus and the love of trains which we talked about old punk which we talked about and country records um i read online that um at least at one point you were doing um worship or gospel music um at your church can you talk yeah kind of years ago i was going to this church in burbank um you know i i have a funny relationship with 
with church. I really dislike fundamentalism it, with a to my core, but but I love I love when communities get together and really try to make love and compassion kind of flesh it out into service and things like that. And uh, yeah, so I I hooked up with this like really kind of cool church. I was like, man, I really like it here. So so every Wednesday, um, the pastor there wanted to do like essentially like um like a little progressive Christianity style, um, you know, kind of lecture and 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 that kind of thing. It was cool. And and he said, would you be interested? And in all that all that rootsy gospel stuff that you like to do all that Carter family stuff Johnny Cash and plus all the you know bloody lake of fire stuff that (laughs) you know like the Carter family Carter family famously said like well we're not real Pentecostal or anything but but they have all those songs that we like you know and so I was like yeah I kind of I totally get that you know so I would I would play every every Wednesday at this thing And and I would go up there hours and hours early and to set up my little sound system and uh and i've just worked on music i I worked on actually and that's where i kind of got a lot of the idea for doing the i don't know where i'm going but i'm on my way there's a lot of gospel-y kind of stuff on there my my dad died while that thing was the concept was really kind of coming together and dad dying was it was crazy it was rough and I got really I started discovering all the really hardcore uh mountain music and and Appalachian music and the stuff that John Lomax recorded and that kind of thing and there's a lot of that kind of kind of uh sensibility and religion on those songs and it was really hitting the spot at the time and uh so so these nights that i would go and play these songs i would just discover a new song or two go up and play for this night but i'd also work on my own stuff like there was a song called i believe i believe uh Mm -hmm. written on there and uh yeah yeah and um um and i end up I get asked to do that at funerals sometimes. I just did it for my uncle's funeral just a, a few months ago. It's a great song. Uh, thank you. And uh, well, that was written just sitting, you know, in an empty church. I had a key to the place, which is kind of fun because the church is really haunted. It's, <laughs> it's really haunted. It is haunted. Haunted. Everybody there is like, yeah, I. I was the janitor there for a few years, and man, I didn't like being there at night. You could just things that just happened in the floor below me walking and just all kind of stuff so so it was kind of I don't know it was like it was an interesting little recipe but it, it was nice for writing songs you know I bet I bet yeah but that but that was uh that was uh the thing. yeah my I haven't I've really been a church guy in a while because you know I'm not really specifically one thing or another I I, I do like to say Jesus is my homeboy because you want to give me some stories about radical compassion and radical love and all that, no matter where it comes from. I, I love, I mean, the stories are just so wonderful. I love Sufi stories. I love Buddhist stories. I love the stories is where it lives very deeply for me. And yeah. So yeah, I was actually in a, um, 
uh, Mennonite church for a few years. This is how I met Annie, who does the who's in my solo world. Yes. She was this is really square. I met my Annie at church, um, <laughs> but she was a church pianist, and uh, and I was just listening to her. I was like, and and I knew it was a cool church because they uh, the Mennonites are either kind of conservative or they're like really like social justice people. Mm -hmm. So this one I dropped in, first of all, they were doing like old British folk music for the music and it was amazing. People got up because they were involved in the Occupy LA uh, oh. uh, actions at that time. And so they would stand up and give a report what happened that week and what to expect the following week. And, you know, and it was, it was, really lovely people and uh one of the first things that happened somebody came up and said excuse me but are you in the old 97s i said yes i am and i had fight songs in college da, da, da. and i ended up doing music with that guy and annie but um so anyway um uh yeah so um um so i was there for a while uh annie and i hooked up annie turned out to be a total musical hip cat she's she likes chocolate watch band as much as i do Nice. You know, and um, and um, um, yeah, so we uh, so I left there because you know how it is in churches. You they always, I ended up doing sound, live sound, and they you get hooked into some committee or two committees or three, and you know runs me crazy. I'm not really a joiner. I'm not good. I'm not a good joiner. I'm I'm the I run away from joining stuff so i'm just like all right i'm not a church guy i like the music i like the stories and i love i love the communities when they're really wonderful communities and this one was really nice it was like just super inclusive lgbt you know absolutely inclusive and all that so so yeah i like i like what they are i just don't think i'm like a good member i it's like a little doggy on a choke chain. He wriggles out and he runs off. You know, I I always I always put the chain on and go, okay, I'm here. You know, and then like, eh. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, but it's you know, but um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the mood to do as kind of a spiritualish record again. And I've I've been talking to my pal Mark who did that that first record of mine, and he said, yeah, come on, come on out to Georgia and uh let's let's do something so yeah so i've got i i i've got some things in mind things i i was working on in those days that never really kind of made it and uh yeah there, there's there's something to be done and i'm gonna do it I, i'm just gotta it's one of the next projects that i think i'm gonna do so yeah but yeah but thank you for asking that's uh yeah yeah it's I'm really excited, Murray, for people to be able to hear the three complete albums, solo albums that you have. And I hope that they find a home. Um, I believe this was self-released. All self-released, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, whoever whoever I hook up with, I'm gonna see if they would do a proper vinyl release of it. Cause that because the sonics on that are I I just love. I, I love what Mark Neal does to my sound I, I didn't get to use him on on this solo stuff that's coming up okay. but he did that record and i love what he does and it's he does he does cool spooky stuff if um if any of the listeners if you've ever uh 
run across the Carter family documentary, The Winding Stream. Um, one of my songs, a cover of the Carter family's uh, In the Shadow of Clinch Mountain, it's, it's used in the portion of the documentary on the death of A.P. Carter. And it's just my one of my most proud things is that song in that documentary. But the song itself is so so spooky. It's just so awfully, but it's but it's Mark's studio. It's it's Mark's 1959 plate reverb that he has alongside his 1960 plate reverb and 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 this kind of thing he gets. Um, so, but it but that needs a vinyl release to really kind of like feel that mm -hmm. the whole spectrum of what that, that his sound sounds like and that record sounds like. So yeah, anyway. And, her, that, and your that. music is absolutely um, ties into that kind of recording feel, uh, in my opinion. So definitely yeah, that feel. So the, the new music um, I would describe as folk, country folk, um, a little bit different than the old 97s. Um, mm -hmm. Um, I would say, I mean, mostly acoustic, right? Primarily acoustic. A yeah, yeah. A lot of whistling, some piano on the... the a lot of whistling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't have, we have neither lead guitar uh, nor hi-hats on our things. So everything's very chuggy. And uh, yeah, I, I whistle. I, I whistle as a little vibe thing, as a little instrumental thing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there, there's a lot of it, but I, but I use it to be like another instrument, definitely. Okay. And you do it very well. Thank you. I'm not a very good whistler. I have to whistle <laughs> in, not out. So. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's like yodeling. You do it in your car where you can yeah. make a fool of yourself <laughs> and then you get good at it and then you take it out of the car and take it on the road. Yeah. Like <laughs> going in the house. And <laughs> well, Murray, we really thank you for taking so much time and doing a special performance for us that was awesome and well, you well find you all over the place um if not on marvel the, the, yeah. Gal <laughs> the galaxy holiday special or reading yeah. your book um you have the solo record of course old 97s um and then hopefully these new records will find a home soon um and people can find you um on youtube as soraya mentioned yeah, yeah. Um, lots well, of well, thank you yeah, well, it, it's nice to meet you both. And I know you're not terribly far away. If, if either one of you happen to be coming through Pasadena, come uh, hang out on the porch with me and we'll, we'll drink coffee and talk music. Very nice. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of people on our porch. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you uh, so much. Yeah, okay. Mark, we really appreciate all your time and your talent. It, it's meant a lot to me over the last multiple decades. So well, well, well. Thank you, and thank you both for for doing the podcast because it's 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 been lovely. I I I half of what I know about David Roback is thanks to thanks to you interviewing people about David Roback. You know, and because uh, you know th those of us who went through it, there's only so much the bucket full of brains and whatnot is going <laughs> to yeah. build build mine out of that and you guys are doing uh really cool musicology on on a something that that i i'm i'm glad y'all are doing it i i told tom to savvy you know if you if there's ever another book it would would be interesting to take to do like a, a proper paisley underground 
kind of book and take that whole scene, you know, and not just that, the, you know, the Vox scene, the Cavern Club and just all everything that was happening. Hollywood at that time and the Pandoras and all that kind of stuff. You know, it'd be, it'd be cool. But anyway, you're, you're doing it now. And, and, and thank you guys. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Mary. Uh, <laughs> all right. Mary. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So Soraya, did you expect to have a special private performance by Murray Hammond playing a long writer's tune? No, I did not. And it was great. It was and great. Notice it's a it's a train song. Yeah, I did notice that right away. Yeah, yeah. So so you know his that passion for trains and the stories that the train tells it it hits everything. What an interesting trajectory, but also just an interesting guy, Murray is. Hands in a lot of different projects and things, and it's just very cool. Very, uh, very cool. Have you have you met a nicer guy than Murray Hammond? Look, we've been really fortunate to meet quite a few really cool and nice musicians um, over the past couple of years. And yeah, he's a nice guy and great stories. I mean, and we didn't even scratch the surface. No, yeah, our list was much longer. (laughs) But um, that'll have to wait for the coffee on the porch discussion. There you go. Coffee on the porch and let him keep talking and sharing stories. But what I find really, really interesting, you know, and everyone can go check out the old 97s but it's his solo work that I think is also really interesting because it just shows um there's there's a lot he's got to that he wants to say and he uses the medium at his disposal you know if it's his solo work if it's the band work um you know, if it's doing covers, you know, of Carter Family or or of Johnny Cash. I mean, it's just it's just really cool to hear someone who loves music that much and um and just enjoys playing it, you know, like walking into a church, a haunted church and a haunted church and taking some extra time and using that time to write songs or to develop ideas it's just neat if not in a parking lot in walmart parking lot the walmart parking lot with a six pack of shapers or whatever there you go i mean what a cool what a cool story and one of the things i mean we didn't share it with uh, murray but it was something that we found when we were researching a lot a lot of times that when he's been interviewed or asked about um, the old 90s, 97s, there's this really interesting thread that circles back to like constantly looking for a sound that just like, you know, he kept talking about feels good. It feels right. It feels comfortable. And, um, you know, just going back to the source, going to the music that makes you happy, that speaks to you in the moment. Like he was saying, you know, I've been thinking of this spiritual album, you know, there's a voice there or there's a message that he wants to share. I just think it's really cool that he lets whatever his soul needs, his musical soul needs, um, 
take it and runs with it. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been privileged to hear these three complete solo albums that are ready to be released other than yeah. needing to be mastered. And they're all three are going to be mastered. And I think some of our audience um, would definitely like this. It's, I would describe it more in our realm. I would describe it more as like the rainy day, early Opal, Clay Allison kind of right. If we were to tie it into our yeah. world, right. Um, but definitely folk, um, acoustic, um, and some of the songs I definitely, I was telling Murray, I said, I don't, I wouldn't say that it's sounds like Opal necessarily, but I could hear Opal or Mazzy Star doing some of the songs that, right. Yeah, but it's, it's obviously his own thing and, and definitely influenced you could hear from the Carter family and interesting that this discussion about punk rock and butthole surfers and um and then the Sid Barrett the psychedelic stuff and I mean all of these influences that he that he's had and uh, coming out of conservative Texas and um he sounds like the guy that he's um always on the perimeter right probably not in <laughs> in the circle but pushing boundaries and um he may put that that collar on right that but um he's gonna slip right out <laughs> and uh de definitely it's, somebody that, that that probably challenges likes to challenge the system and yes i mean look any guy that goes to a hardcore punk party and says you know what i'm gonna play i'm gonna play as real as real That's by three o'clock over and over how punk rock is that <laughs> okay that but then not only does he do it he gets some people turned on to the music too Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I what, what can you not love about that? You got to love everything. I know. I know. Absolutely. So, so what, what a cool, cool guy. Um, yeah, yeah. So Salvation Army was his introduction. Um, I, and I can see going from punk rock, Salvation Army, who had definitely had a psychedelic punk feel to it. I will mm -hmm. say that our next episode we should be talking to Michael Quercio and Louis Gutierrez of Salvation Army. We were hoping that Troy would join us, the drummer, but um, unfortunately that's not going to happen. But um, we'll have a guest co-host, Ronnie Barnett, back, and we'll be talking about the another record store day release. We were mentioning the old 97's record store day yes. of the Salvation Army um, reissue, uh, another colored vinyl. That should be our next episode next week, we hope so. Um, tying into the discussion with Mary Hammond of all 97s and of the long writer. So, um, so uh, as I mentioned earlier, there's lots of ways that if, if you enjoyed hearing this conversation as much as we did with Murray Hammond, um, you could find him on 12 <laughs> old 97 records, EPs, the, the, this collection of all these images, 10,000 images of, of old train Railroad book. Yeah, steam engines or steamboats. So yeah, there's that book um, that you can find. Um it's one solo release steam and then this logging railroads. Yeah. Thank you, Soraya. Yeah. And um my copy is probably in my mailbox right now. And it is also available on Kindle in case nice. anyone is so inclined. Very nice. But um and then, yeah, Bandcamp, YouTube, Facebook, um go explore and enjoy because 
he's he's got a lot to offer and a lot to listen to. Yes, and we're looking forward to the next Long Riders release, September November, mm -hmm. coming out. And it is oh, called I'm... September November. Yeah, September. And it's coming out in March. Right? Yeah. <laughs> By uh, Cherry Red Records. Cherry Red Records in the UK. So, yeah. yeah. Speaking so, of the UK, we should be making a trip here about the same time that that comes out. So we'll report on that later. So Yes. But for now, um, thank you. Taking Ryan. it on the road. Yep. Easy <laughs> stage, raspberry and rhyme, road trip. Plane trip. All right. So thank you to Mary Hammond and taking time to, to speak with us today. That was a total blast, Ryan. Uh, yes, it was. And uh, this is this is going to be my total goofy outro because ever since we had uh, Murray Hammond booked, all I've been saying in my head is a line from the movie 48 Hours where Eddie Murphy, it plays, he plays a character named Reggie Hammond. Oh. <laughs> and, but there's a scene in a honky-tongue redneck bar Big old dust up, and at the end, he's got toothpick in his mouth. And he goes, "Just want everyone to know, there's a new sheriff in town, and his name is Reggie Hammond." And I just changed it to, <laughs> "And his name is Murray Hammond." Y'all be cool. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. I had to get it out. Nice. <laughs> Forty-eight hours. Anyways, mi gente, on, Paisley people. Takes the hat off and he goes, There's a new sheriff in town, and the name is Murray Hammond. Y'all be cool. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my God. I'm saying it for weeks. I'm glad I got it out of my system. <laughs> that is hilarious. You had to. I'm sorry. It was the perfect, the perfect spot. Yeah. 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 All right. You can stop recording. Oh.